welcome to Beer Me. I am your host, Sarah Jane. Every week I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So for this show, I'm very, very excited. Um, We are welcoming Lisa Allen. She is the head brewer of Heater Allen in McMinnville, Oregon. I would argue probably one of the best lager producing breweries in the U.S. by far. Um, (laughs) I specifically wanted to have Lisa on because... uh, for some reason, I had my shit together enough to plan ahead and realize that it was National Lager Day on December 10th. So I thought, oh, look at me having my shit together. I'm going to do a show about lagers. Um, so Lisa, thank you so much uh, for taking the time and, and coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Heater Allen produces these fantastic, beautiful, crisp, clear, flavorful lagers but it is hard to find them outside of Oregon, Washington, California, um, because you want people to enjoy these lagers fresh. And we'll get into why that's important in a little bit. But for the listeners who either haven't had the opportunity to have your beer or maybe haven't heard of your brewery, can you give them a little snapshot of who you are? Uh, yeah, so we are um, we specialize in brewing lager beer. Uh, we are actually a family-owned brewery, so the brewery was started by my dad, and then um, I came on board in 2009. can't believe I've been in beer that long. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we um, uh, are kind of the beer that we're known for is a bohemian-style pilsner, um, and then we do a bunch of different varieties of beers. So we do like traditional, we're going to do like a Munich-style Dunkel, um, we do a very traditional, um, Meritzen for Oktoberfest. Um, and then we also kind of have been experimenting doing some like hoppier lagers and stuff like that. They're still very, I would say, uh, malt forward compared to <laughs> most IPAs and such out there, but, um, kind of doing a modern take on, um, on lagers as well. So kind of a mix of everything and Yeah. So, well, thank you. (laughs) And so for lager production, it is definitely uh, a harder path to go. Um, When you have a beer that people consume with their eyes first, right? It has to be that crystal clear um, look to it. The aromas have to be perfect. I mean, obviously the taste, the texture, the finish, everything. And every single part of the process is just a little bit harder than if you were brewing like just an average run-of-the-mill IPA. So can we get started with the beginning of the brewing process and um, why that is just a, a little a little more challenging, a little more effort? Yeah, I think um, kind of what differentiates um, most lager brewing um, to uh, IPA brewing is that um, – we are pretty process driven. And so this is where IPAs, I mean, I think things are changing a lot in the beer world, but um, they go through what is called a single infusion mash. And this is when 
you're essentially adding your barley or wheat with oats or whatever <laughs> to a certain temperature water, and you're holding it at a temperature for a certain amount of time. And I think the first thing that makes lager beer different is that we actually do uh, a step mash, or sometimes um, we personally don't have the equipment to do it at Heater Allen, but um, a lot of lager breweries will use decoction, which is where you take a portion of the mash out you boil it and then you add it back in. So essentially what you're doing is you're going through different steps of temperature. And at each one of those temperatures, you are kind of activating different enzymes that are going to um, release different carbohydrates that the yeast are going to, that the yeast are going to eat. Um, and so you can make lagers with a single infusion, but um, I've always felt that you don't really get the texture and the dryness from um, just doing a single infusion mash. I really feel like you do have to do a step mash. And I think one of the reasons why um, that process is more difficult, and especially in the U.S., is most U.S. brewing systems have not been built, especially U.S. craft brewing systems, I should say, um, have not been built to do this step mash system. Um, so just if you do, if you do want to make loggers on one of those systems, it makes it pretty difficult. We, uh, when we first started, we had actually just a two vessel system. There was this whole process cause we still wanted to do a step mash. <laughs> we would mash in the boil kettle and then pump up into the louder ton. Uh, we're lucky enough now to have a, um, a three vessel system with, with a heated mash mixer. <laughs> it's great. It's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> but even in the spectrum, I mean, you you had to buy you had to bring in special equipment. The process takes uh, considerably more time. It's a, it's a lot more effort. The person doing it needs that particular training. Um, so it's 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 definitely a, a very challenging process. Yeah, and there's different malts that behave certain ways. So then when you're using certain malts, you want to change your temperatures up. So you're not necessarily able to mash in at the everything at the same temperature, which for, um, and obviously it differs for ales as well, but um, you can kind of have a kind of standard uh, temperature that you typically will mash in at. And with lagers, you can kind of change it up depending on what you're doing and what malts you're oh, using. Okay. And then once you finish the mashing process, you're getting into the fermentation tank and the fermentation is completely different from the ale process. Yeah. So the one thing about lagers is um, lager means to store, um, but lagers use a different type of yeast that prefers a colder fermentation. And so it is Saccharomyces pastoronius. I'm probably saying that correctly. Nobody's here, um, you know, granting but, Cicerone certifications right now. You're all good. Yeah. Um, and uh, it prefers colder temperatures. So it will also ferment at, you know, warmer temperatures, but it, uh, it kind of, you know, prefers or will ferment at colder temperatures where a lot of ale yeasts really don't ferment great once you get kind of below 60 degrees. And so the thing about lager yeast as well is um, even once it's done with the fermentation process, it will kind of stay in solution and continue working. And at a cellar temperature, a cold cellar temperature, it can still continue to kind of continue to work, kind of take out some of those imperfections and all of that. 
But because it's colder, it's also a slower fermentation. Fermentation for a lot of lagers um, from start to finish takes around two weeks. And then depending on the brewery, you're going to have a lagering and a storage time. Um, it depends on brewery. Uh, we typically, from uh, from once we move into lagering tank to when we can or keg our beer, is about six weeks. So from start, from brew day to when we release a beer is um, about eight weeks. So just just a longer time frame, whereas um, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of ales and those types of beers are typically, I think, from everything, I mean, you can you can turn the some you can turn some styles really fast, um, but a lot of like IPAs are going to be in like the 21, 27 mm-hmm. day range from brew day to when you can release okay. it. And then once you get once you once you've once you have your finished product and you've bottled or canned or kegged it, it's got to be consumed quickly. Why is that? Um, I think. I think this can be true with any beers aside from some of those um, higher alcohol beers. But I mean, fresh beer, I think this is the main, I I mean, I think this is the thing that like craft brewers just in general have been trying to get out to the public is that it's, you know, it's meant to be consumed fresh. You want to drink it fresh. Um, And we're essentially doing the lager process for you. Um, so the beer's already been, you know, it's already been aged essentially. So it's like prime drinking time when we're canning or kegging it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it will, it will last, uh, you know, a couple weeks or even a couple of months if it's kept cold. Um, but it's really like, it's at its prime when it's fresh, when shortly after we can or keg it. But yeah, I think, I do think that is kind of true with a lot of beer is that (laughs) the closer, which is, um, kind of one of the reasons why sometimes beer tastes better closer to where it's from is because you're typically drinking yeah. it fresher. No, and and I, I feel like that's why you see what a couple of years or more than a couple of years ago, I guess, Stone came out with their like enjoy by and you know, their series of IPAs where they actually put the date when you should be enjoying it by um, in the name of the beer. So let's bring it on back to uh, to Loggertown. I want to kind of dive into what lagering looked like in Germany, like back in the day. So this wouldn't be, you know, this like super, um, you know, specific uh, technical piece of equipment. This was like a tank buried underground or back in a cave or something like that because the temperatures would get um, cold enough, um, and, and kind of stay at a consistent temperature or, or as best they could. But this wasn't, this wasn't as meticulous, um, as it is now in modern brewing. Yeah. And like you, I mean, you had a certain, you know, a colder temperature, but you couldn't control that temperature. You didn't know what it was, but yeah, I mean, they typically store them in barrels and, uh, put them in a cellar for the summer. And then that's where like, um, the original Oktoberfest beer, Mertzen, comes from because it was uh, usually made in March, and then they would stick it in caverns and uh, then bring it back for Oktoberfest in September. So, but uh, yeah, technology has definitely come a long way. Um, we have a series of, um, there's horizontal lagering tanks, there's um, what are, you know, packaging, packaging bright tanks, and very different from back in the day with the uh, the barrels in 
in the cave of some sort. <laughs> Buried in the cave. Now, I was curious, what is the benefit of a horizontal lagering tank as opposed to, because usually you see these, these you know, massive tanks, you know, kind of, and you can't, no one can see my hand going up and down in the screen right now because it's a friggin' podcast, but usually it's this really tall, you know, column-shaped thing. But what's the benefit of having it laying horizontal? So you have... Um it will actually help the yeast drop out of solution faster. So, um, and it's, you know, it's, you're going to have, yeah, the yeast that is floating in solution that essentially drops down to the bottom. Um, and then you're also going to have less, the beer is going to have less contact with, um, with the yeast at the bottom of the tank as it stretches out. Whereas if you just have, a certain, you know, you just have beer sitting on essentially your yeast at the bottom of the tank. Um, so that's, uh, one of the reasons. And, um, you know, and I should probably, it, it'd be curious cause I, I bet there's other reasons besides that, but that's kind of what I've always like read and kind of known. Mm-hmm. And now like talking about it, it's like, I bet there's other reasons for this. And <laughs> now I'm like curious to know, I, I, I bet part of it too is might be storage just because you could, if you had a certain like height restriction and stuff like that, you can stick a bunch of horizontals in a space better than a bunch of uprights. Um, so, I mean, and when you're doing a brewery tour, people will be like, what's that thing? It doesn't look like my normal brewery tour. And there you got a story built in right there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, it's kind of been a, a long running adage is, you know, if you're at a beer festival and you see a line of like actual brewers, that's where the decent Pilsner is. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, and I think, you know, for so long or for the, for, not for so long, but for the past couple of years, you know, you go to a beer festival and it's a lot of like double IPA, hazy IPA, pastry sour, pastry sour, fruited sour, but more and more you're seeing, Pilsners um, and and other you know beers in the lager family um, kind of poking out in popularity. Is this something that you're seeing too, as far as you know other brewers that you talk to and and other people kind of tackling that style? Definitely, um, I think that you know there are consumer driven trends, and I think there's also brewer driven trends <laughs> within the within the beer industry. And it is like lagers are what um, brewers like to drink. That's not to say brewers don't drink, you know, IPAs or pastry stouts or those other styles. But um, a lot of people just want something that's really easy drinking that you, you know, in a lot of ways don't really have to think much about. And I think that's the great thing about um, about just like a really crisp, clean Pilsner. Um, It's, you know, if it's really well made, it shouldn't be a beer you have to think too much about. And I think that's what's great about lagers in general. And it's, but it's been kind of cool to see the trends as well. And since I've been in the beer industry, I mean, lagers definitely were not cool when I started, when I started brewing, we were one of the like lone outliers. Um, And I now, I now feel that, you know, um, at least I, I think most every brewery in Oregon has at least one lager that they make. Um, just because, you know, consumers want that. Um, and it's also, if you go to a beer festival and you are drinking the hazy IPA or the pastry stout or the fruited sour, um, a Pilsner is also a really, a really good palate cleanser. So you can have that, have that and then go back to the 
back to the other stuff. So, you know, like, as you mentioned, this is, you know, some of the oldest styles or one of the oldest styles and, and you all model after Pilsner or Kel, right? Yeah. Our Pilsner is. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's a Bohemian or Czech style Pilsner. Um, and that, um, essentially what that means compared to another, um, Compared to other Pilsners, it tends to have a little bit of malty sweetness to it, but it still should be pretty hoppy and pretty bitter. Um, that's another thing that I think people don't don't know about Pilsners or lagers in general. They think that they should be this innocuous, like, just kind of bland thing. And um, a Pilsner should be pretty hoppy, um, especially a Czech-style Pilsner. And uh, so, yeah, it's... Um, Still obviously not as hoppy as, you know, our, our IPAs and that sort of thing, but, um, it's, uh, it should be a pretty bitter beer. Um, it was kind of made in response to the IPA, but yeah, it's, our Pilsner is unfiltered, unfined, and that, uh, we lager it, like I said earlier for at least, um, it's lagering for at least six weeks. So it's eight weeks between brew day and when we release it. And 100% uh, Czech saws hops. And then we also use a mixture of um, floor malted Bohemian Pilsner malt as well as uh, Bohemian Pilsner malt in that as well. It's absolutely amazing. Now, aside from obviously your Pilsner, um, what are some of your other favorite Pilsners that exist out there in the good old, in the world? Um, well, I mean, we mentioned Bierstadt already. Uh, Slowpore is a really delicious beer. Wayfinder does a really good job. Um, their Pilsners, we've done also a, um, Italian style Pilsner with them. It's a collaboration between us and Modern Times. Um, and that's, that's really tasty, but they also do a German style and a Czech style Pilsner that are both really good. Pivo Pils from Firestone Walker is a really quality Pilsner. And there's kind of cool beers that people are coming out with these days. Oh, Suarez also. I love Suarez pills. <laughs> um, it's an East Coast. And then I actually recently, um, someone sent me some cans and just tried yesterday a um, from Halfway Crooks in Atlanta, their um, Belgian pills, which was delicious. Yeah, I was like, I had heard about Halfway Crooks and how I have some of their merch because they have really cool merch. <laughs> And, and I had yet to try any of their beers. So it was kind of one of those situations where I was like, well, I hope they make good beer. Because <laughs> Wait, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't had any of their, you said halfway crooks? Yeah. In Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen any of their merch. So now I'm. <laughs> yeah, they, so they have, I don't know if they sell it anymore, but they have a sweatshirt that just says like lager, 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 lager on it. <laughs> Oh man, they I like while you're talking, I immediately had to Google it. And they do, and it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um I've had because of wearing that shirt, I've had so many friends buy the same sweatshirt. Like, <laughs> um but yeah, so I was I I I'm excited to at some point actually go to Atlanta and try the stuff in person. But um but yeah, that was really good. And I mean there's, you know, a bunch um a bunch of people are doing a really good job with Pilsners these days. And of course I can't think of more off the top of no. the moment. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Actually, I wanted to circle back and uh, talk about Belgian Pilsner and, and, and that particular style a little bit, cause I'm a little boggled by it. I, I had never 
I never had one before. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it's supposed to be. <laughs> but it was delicious. It was just like, um, I would say it was probably less bitter than like a German or a Czech style Pilsner. And, and definitely had a little bit more uh, maltiness, like you do get in kind of more a Czech style. Um, but at first when I tried it, I was like, oh, do they, is it used like Belgian yeast, but like fermented colder? And I actually don't know, but it didn't taste like that. It just tasted like a very just drinkable, easy drinking Pilsner. Um, so. Yeah. Cause I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, this is, it would be like pretty much Stella Artois, right? <laughs> like this is, this is kind of what I'm, if I'm, if I'm equating it. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but in my as soon as you say Belgian, I I think Belgian yeast. So it's I know you know stone fruit and you know something that you'd want to have to ferment in a little warmer temperatures. So yeah, but highly highly recommend. All right, I will definitely check it out. No, because yeah, immediately, immediately in my mind, I'm like, okay, so Stella Artois would that be kind of the yeah. equivalent? You know, and I'm not sure. I know Stella is a little bit higher on the ABV range. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what, I don't even think I looked at the ABV of this beer. I'm just like, assume I'm like, nah, it's around five. Like, but yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I'm assuming that the Belgians have lager yeast. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that's probably, that's probably what we're talking about. So, uh, you know, if somebody is, um, you know, kind of, uh, let's say, on, in their homebrew journey, deciding to get really technical and, you know, do a challenge. Are there any, you know, tips from like a commercial brewer standpoint that you would say, you know, if you're brewing a lager at home, do these cute little things, you know? Um, I'd say, yeah, I mean, most homebrew systems, I feel like it is pretty easy to do a step mash. Um, so I definitely, you know, check out doing a step mash um, the other thing is, you know, use more yeast than you think you need is kind of what I say. Cause you, um, definitely need more, more lager yeast than you would need if you were brewing an ale. So I think that some, some of the biggest, uh, flaws that I get when I have tried homebrew lagers are typically yeast driven. Um, and I think a lot of that is just from under pitching. And that's where you get kind of like off aromas or off flavors or. Yeah. A, a lot of time it will be diacetyl. So you'll just, get, it'll just be a butterscotch bomb um, is typically. And that's, uh, there's other issues that can cause diacetyl too, but a big one is yeast health. So make sure, make sure to pitch enough yeast. I gotcha. Well, so we've got these, I've got these fun little questions that I've been doing kind of at the end of my show, you know, talk about some serious stuff, do some education and then do something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I love it. So let's say tomorrow the world is completely cured. There's no more COVID. You can go anywhere in the world. Money's no issue. Where would you, what, what country or brewery would you specifically go to? Oh, I, I mean, I've actually never been to the Czech Republic, so that is on my to-do. Yes. So. <laughs> I've never um, been. I've never been either. We'll plan a trip uh, to Prague post-haste. <laughs> yes, yes, I would love that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's definitely. It's been on my, been on my list for ages. And I went to Germany, 
God, it's been like five years now and wanted to kind of do a side side jump to Prague, but it ended up just not making sense. So that is on my on my list. Nice. And then throughout the pandemic, what what beer has gotten you through it? I mean, probably a lot of Peter Allen pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, you're right there. That's totally fair. Yeah, it's a uh, um and yeah, drinking a lot, drinking a lot of my own beer. So that's totally fair. But also, like, yeah, trying to support other breweries as well. I think uh, last, I have no idea when this was, but sometime during the pandemic, um, Machine House, which does like British style beers up in Seattle, um, they were selling beer in a bag, and so I definitely got a couple of those <laughs> too. Wait. So. What? Like a bag it in a box? Like, yeah, it was like a bag in a box. And I mean, you had to like finish it. Like slap the bag, Franzia. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You had to finish it, I would say, um, I would say within like a day or two. So, uh-huh. but I mean, those beers are also like 3.8% or something. So. Yeah. What, do they got like ESBs or something like that? Or Yeah, man, they, their dark and mild is delicious. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So you did some bags in a box. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a fantastic idea. And then is there any brewery in the U.S. that you can't wait to get back to when, you know, you have time as a a brewer, as a head brewer, when you have time to just leisurely travel to any brewery in the U.S.? Yeah. I think there's a few breweries that I haven't gotten the chance to visit yet that I would really like to go to that I've heard like wonderful things about. One of those would be Dovetail in Chicago, like really want to go visit that. Um, Another one, which I actually have had their beer and was one after we stopped talking about Pilsners, I immediately remembered, but the ABGB down in Austin, Texas, um, I've always wanted to visit and Live Oak as well down there. Both of those guys do make some really nice loggers. So, yeah. And I've always, I've never actually been to Austin, so, or Chicago. I need, to, <laughs> I need to do some more traveling. I mean, they're both really great cities. I will say, though, if you do ever, when you do make it down to Austin, there's a brewery called St. Elmo's, and they make the most fantastic Kolsch. It's so, it's so, like, simple, and you know, they serve it in the right glassware. It's awesome. <laughs> It makes me so happy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know we caught you on a brew day, so I really do appreciate it. And thank you for answering all our lager questions. Um, Listeners out there, if you do have a chance to get a hold of this beer, drink it, Um, you know, when it's fresh and and perfect. If you're getting a hold of it and it's been sitting around for a long time, uh, don't be a jerk and rate it poorly. And uh, yeah, Lisa, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, So this has been another episode of Beer Me. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, reach out uh, at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. We are available anywhere you get your podcast. Please like, subscribe, give all the stars, leave all the nice comments, um, and we will catch you next time. Go out and drink some lager. Cheers. Cheers.